Welcome to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Connie Whitman. As always, thanks for joining me. Now, I hope as we, as you follow me every week, you know that I'm on a mission to change that word sales from this icky, sleazy manipulation to you really should be coming from a place of love, care, and respect. And for everybody that knows me, it's always about the relationship at the core, right? We have to take it seriously and we have to do a good job. So how do I help you do that? I have a free gift for you, of course. If you go to my website, I have a free communication style assessment. You will get two reports. One, spotlighting your superpowers, own it, breathe it, live it, use it. You'll also get a report that'll be your blind side, which is your lowest score. Guess what? We talk to people, prospects, clients, uh, our wives, our husbands, whoever, that are the opposite style from us. How do we navigate that? Shining a spotlight on that can help you make more sales and grow business. So that's my gift to you. Go to WhitmanAssos.com slash CSA. Now, my motivational quote today is by Jeff Bezos, and he says, a brand for a company is like a reputation for a person. You earn reputation by trying to do hard things well. Now, after COVID, you know, it, I thought that I had to reinvent my entire business and how I approached business. I had been in business 20 years. It was all about learning, using technology and trying to stay connected with my existing clients, as well as trying to continue to grow in this new world, right? Well, two years later, you know what I've realized? That the pre or post pandemic Building real business relationships, guess what? Hasn't changed, guys. Yes, we need technology. Yes, we need to continue to build our skills with connecting deeply with our new prospects and clients using technology as a tool. So whether it's Zoom, LinkedIn, Instagram, or any other platform, today's tech ensures we're always connected. And yet, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel more alone than ever. Now, have we lost the art of developing genuine kinship with each other? Well, that's what we're talking about today. So my guest is Chris Tuff. Wait, he's got higher energy than me, everybody. My guest is Chris Tuff. Chris was one of the first uh, advertisers to work directly with Mark Zuckerberg in 2006 and filmed one of the first viral videos, which landed him on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Go, Chris. Uh, Tuff's natural ability to connect with his nearly 80% millennial and Gen Z workforce led him to publish the national best-selling The Millennial Whisperer in 2019. Chris is on a mission to help business leaders create connections that make work culture thrive, improve retention rates, and multiply sales. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. And I am really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm fired up. Let's do this thing. Yeah, baby, let's do it. All right, first question though I have, are you millennial or Gen Z? I'm right. So I'm right on the cusp of millennial and Gen X. So I'm actually 41. So I was born in 1980, cutoffs 81 to 96. And um, yeah, so I'm, you know, I've always, but you know, when I tell audiences, I'm more of a millennial than most millennials, all the stuff that they want, work flexibility, autonomy, tra- uh, you know, transparency, inspirational leadership. I think that's, th- those are all things that we've all wanted. And it's astounding that, you know, what I thought happened, you know, 2019, I published the book and then the pandemic hit right as I was, you know, on the main stage at Nike and some of these super prestigious brands. And I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen next, but it only catalyzed a lot of the things that I wrote in it. And so, um, you know, what I'm doing now is marrying that with my new book, Save Your Asks, which is more in the domain of connection outward. You know, connection, the millennial whisper was all about genuine connection inward, right? And the importance of us as, you know, bosses, leaders to have a 
real mentorship and connection with our people. And now we see with the great quit and, and, and all the other data, a lot of people are not being met in the middle for this. And so that coupled with, you know, my main kind of prerogative as the pandemic hit was like, well, what if, what's the one thing that everyone goes to me advice for? And it's how, how to better network and sell. Like I'm a natural salesperson as you'll probably quickly find I'm out. I mean, shocked. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm yeah. shocked. <laughs> but, but like, what if we actually, you know, I'm on the receiving end of hundreds of emails every day and people going in for their asks way too early. And so I, Agree. I said, what if I made the title of the new, this new book that I don't know how long this pandemic will be around, but I'm going to interview the best networkers in the world. And I'm, I'm going to make it a call to action for people to save their asks and to instead go in with the intention of a genuine connection. And the byproduct of that is a lot more business together. And I, I'm not like, I'm not an expert for short sales cycles. Like I, I don't, I, I probably have some instinct on it, but where it is that I specialize is not only looking at just our longer term sales, but just relationships. Even if you look at everyone's difficulties with trying to recruit talent, it's it's no different yeah. than how you would try to land a new new a, a new client, right? Go take that person out to lunch. Ask that person what motivates you. What's your dream? Tell me more about that. And then as you talk about the excitement of what you're building and why they should come over, sell them on your own vision and dream and what they can do to help you get there. And so you know what I found is that the applicability for some of these things they they transgressed into all aspects of our life. It's fascinating. And, you know, I have two, two boys there. Uh, one just graduated last year, 22. And then my 25 year old graduated. And then the pandemic hit the poor kid. <laughs> Nobody was hiring. You know what it is, what it is. He was home. There's no bills. Right. So it's, it's all good. Like the timing couldn't have been better. So couple, just a couple of points I want to make the sure. um, networking for them. Like I, my husband and I, we have obviously a huge network. We're old, right? So we've been around for a long time. So the idea was reach out to the dads that know you, you know, my kids played hockey through the years. So reach out to them, start to, you already have the relationship. You don't think they're going to want to help you. They love you. Right. So where, where do we begin? But it's always about the relationship. The other thing I wanted to share is, um, my listenership on the show, Chris, it's getting younger and younger and younger because the millennials and the gen, even the Gen Zs are starting businesses. They started sure. maybe with a hot side hustle and now they're trying to do that full time. So my listenership is getting uh, younger and younger, which I love because I like being around younger people, because like I said, at the onset technology that threw me with COVID, you know, I had done everything live for 20 years. Now, all of a sudden we're on zoom all the time. What's yeah. zoom? How do you, how do you navigate that? Right. How do you do breakout rooms? So that, you know, the learning curve, right. There's always a learning curve. And then the last thing I wanted to comment on was, um, I, I think, and you know, my generation, I'm the tail end of the baby boomer. And whenever I'm with peers, they'll say things like, well, you know, those, those millennials. And it's always with that, that underlying tone of condemnation. And, and like, I'll say to them, yeah, what about those millennials? You know, they are courageous. They're fearless. They're not afraid to jump in the deep end and take a shot. Right. And, and they're, they're looking for community. They, they're worried about our environment. What can we learn from them versus you know, you know, those millennials, like the baby boomers were so sure. perfect. Right. So it yeah. just this whole dynamic of the generations, if we just 
look at the core of how we could support and help each other. Mentorship you mentioned already. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful well, thing. Well, and I think, and and you bring up a couple of important points. I mean, there are, listen, like all, if, if, if you can't get the older millennials, right. Good luck with the Gen Zers, right? Like, and, and so, you know, there are the biggest impact that makes these generations different is really technology and social media. And, you know, it is not as comfortable for younger listeners out there to create those genuine connections because they just didn't have those interpersonal muscles that you and I, I didn't have a cell phone until after college. Right. So I take, I talk about our first flirtations. I had to pick up the phone. I had to get through mom and dad. Right. I had to then get through mom and dad. And then I had to hold on a conversation. You juxtapose that to younger millennials and Gen Zers. They get a brand new iPhone with a Snapchat account. And so they do not have that interpersonal muscle. That is a muscle that we need to grow. But the, the other key difference that I'm, I'm, I'm working with different leaders and organizations around is that the, the boomer generation sees passion and profession as mutually exclusive. And they see you go to work to work, generally speaking, you go to work to work, and then you do your passions by playing golf or doing those hobbies. The younger you get in just millennials and then into Gen Zers, the more of an expectations that passions exist within your own four walls. And that is a, a big shift. And one of the more contentious things that I bring up to organizations is, is that I tell the leaders it's up to them to help their employees pursue those passions, whether that be through identifying them through purpose exercises or, you know, encouraging them to, to create side hustles. And, and one of the things I have in the new book, Savior Asks, is that as individuals, it's important that we create our own passions and we curate those on the side because you know, I'll put in the context, we all have our currency, right? And our currency is what, that's our specialty. That's what we get paid to do. But what happens with life is that we end, we end up evolving. And you know, my currency used to be, I was the digital and social guy. That's why everyone reached out to me. They knew I was one of the you know, first in the scene with social media. But then about 12 years later, I'm like, I don't know if I'm really passionate about this anymore. And you know, it was actually, I, I, in a kind of what manifested as a rock bottom moment for me, I, I changed a handful of things, but I started to really focus in on our, you know, almost now 90 something percent millennial and Gen Zers. I was like, this is the best generation to come along. It's just, you got to do it a little differently. And I introduced myself around a fire and I said, I don't know what I do anymore, but I'm kind of like the millennial whisperer. And one of the guys in the retreat was like, you better write that book. I was like, okay. (laughs) And so I wrote the book and I wrote in four and a half months. But, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to bring into more conversations is, and what the pandemic catalyzed was that work and home work-life integration is a real thing. And, and you also look at the, the differences just even between you and I and, and the millennial and Gen Z set, how our relationship with our parents were so different. It was very authoritarian juxtaposed to the younger millennial set and Gen Zers. They're, they're friends with their parents. They're, they're playing beer pong on the weekends out back, right? It's totally different. And so when people come into our organizations, they're expecting that same sort of connection. They're like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to follow you on social media. I'm like, oh, geez, we got a ways to go here, right? Like we've got to start moving towards this middle place where it's like, let's, let's, let's create this relationship that is genuine. And it's the same thing for sales. And we have all these pieces of software and we have one ask out of anyone in our network. And 
every single day I'm on the receiving end. Hey, Chris, someone I haven't talked to in four, you know, four years, I see you're connected to whoever. Can you put my friend in touch with that person? I'm like, you're going to waste your ask on that. Or can I get 15 minutes of your time to sell you this software? Well, you don't even know what my pain point is. And That's until right. we have that genuine connection, That's you're not right. going to be able to uncover that pain point. That's and so right. I've got lots of fun stories and strategies that I think you'll dig um, that are right in line with, I think, your platform and, and what you're trying to put out there that it, it's, it's my duty at this point to try to have the greatest impact on changing our mentality and giving us tactics to create a little bit more of that genuine connection. And I now have enough data in the last two years of implementing this with, with both my, you know, um, colleague group and friends. And it's like, Oh my gosh, it really does work. And it makes it a lot more fun. It'll make sales and networking fun again, because it's fulfilling because we're humans. Absolutely. It's funny because the LinkedIn that you were saying, and this I see in sales all the time when I teach sales, right? The, the executives come down and say in, in the corporations, right? They'll say something like, um, okay, uh, so Chris, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're supposed to follow up on 10 people. You only followed up on, on eight. Yeah. When are you going to do the other two? And next week, are you going to do 12? It's yeah. numbers, right? It's all about the numbers. Instead of saying, hey, talk to me. Why didn't you get to the 12 follow-up calls? You only did the 10. Is, is something impeding you? Did something go wrong? Oh, yeah, my grandmother died. You know, whatever. Yeah, so we, exactly. instead of looking at the numbers, can we look at the humans? Second thing I'm finding on LinkedIn now, so that's what happens in corporate. It's the numbers. LinkedIn, now they say, oh, LinkedIn's a great tool to sell. So people connect with you. Hey, Chris, can I, I saw we have mutual connections. Can we connect? Okay, cool, right? I connect, I look, oh, we do have mutual connections. And then Chris, you immediately say, hey, yeah. listen, I'm an HR representative and I work with small businesses and consultants and blah, 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 blah. It's like delete. So what people are hearing because they're not digging in and looking at LinkedIn is a relationship-based my okay let me say my perspective right linkedin is to be used to build relationships not vomit and sell on people as soon as they connect with you kind of what you were saying yeah so you know and 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 so recently i've done a little bit of a campaign i've been focusing more on finding my people on linkedin so that we could connect and i can grow that platform and three people i met with this week they were like they met with me and they said, I said, why? I said, why did you meet with me? You chose to meet with me. I'm thank you for that. But why? Because I thought we had a good connection based on reviewing their profile. And they said, usually it's, can you want to, you want to jump on a 15 minutes so I could sell you and you're not trying to sell me anything. You're really trying to build a relationship. Can we do a podcast swap? How can I support your membership thing? How can exactly. it's, it's a collaboration, not Hey, do you need, do you know anybody that needs my yeah. sales services? Right. It's exactly. obnoxious. And, but, but here's the thing, Chris. 40 years. I've been in sales for 40 years, 20 in business. It's always been about the relationship, never about the sale, which is, sounds funny. The sale comes. It's about the person and who are they and can I help them? Or like you, you have a huge network. Can I share my network with them to help whatever the objective is that they're trying to achieve? That's total. That's sales. I'm sorry. That's sales to me versus let me vomit on you what I could do for you. And I don't even yeah. know you. Exactly. And I mean, the amount of people that don't do just a little bit of research. I mean, I use the example in my upfront of the keynote that I'm doing and, you know, it's these people, Hey, um, I, uh, 
Oh, one guy. Okay. So I'll, I'll use this example. So one of my more famous like uh, stories from my first book was a company out in San Francisco called Domo, where I used them as an example of rewards and recognition from the top down. And what they do is for the rewards and recognition for the number one salesperson of the month, they drag a 10 foot tall big blue rooster to sit next to that person's cubicle for the duration of the month. And they will actually play that person's at bat song and sirens will go off. They give zero cash rewards, zero options. They give away a big blue rooster. And it was a guy from Domo that reached out to me five times going in for the ask, ask, ask. And then on the fifth one, it was the middle of the summer. It was right as I was deliberating whether or not to write save your asks. And he goes, have you read any good books this summer? I said, dude, this is too good to be true. I'm like, listen, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but if you'd done a little bit of research, you would have seen, I, I wrote a book that sold over a hundred thousand copies that um, the main story in it is Domo. And so I just implore on you, do a little bit of research before you reach out to people. And you know, the other piece is we feel so confined in any one of these kind of networking conversations to just talk about work. That's you know, one of the concepts I bring up is a race to the middle. And it's actually a race to find that common passion point between you two to then establish more of that open discussion. And let's talk about our own passions. Let's talk about, let's use those as ways to get a little bit more creative. You know, if I find out someone really likes mountain biking, I'm going to take a mountain biking. Um, you know, I go to the masters every year, instead of just going to the masters, I'll bring my prospects. I'll rent two helicopters and we'll take helicopters to the masters which we'll be doing in three days. Like, how do you actually take it to the next level with especially these, you know, higher value, longer term sales cycles, but it all does come a byproduct of genuine relationships is you end up doing business together. And, and, um, you know, my fit, can I give you my favorite tactic to talk about? Sure. Love it. Okay. So my favorite tactic, it was introduced to me, you know, once again, I kind of built a lot of the stuff around social media and the infrastructure. And so there was a group of us that, we we're almost like a graduated class. And um, we, uh, we, we met in a closed Facebook group that Facebook put together as they opened up their infrastructure to build on it. And it was in 2012, almost six years later, that um, we, I was signing the largest software deal of my lifetime and this entrepreneur's lifetime. And I turned to him as we were sharing the steak dinner with our teams there. And I said, Jason, his name's Jason Beckerman. I said, the sales guy in me is just interested in how we went from that to where we are today. And he goes, you really want to know, Chris? I was like, yeah. He goes, I Shawshank you. I was like, Shawshank, a verb? Tell me more. He goes, have you ever seen Shawshank Redemption? I was like, yes, absolutely. He goes, okay, if you remember, in order for Andy Dufresne to get the library funded, he wrote a letter a week. And it wasn't until two years later that he got his first check for like $200 to fill the library with new books. And he didn't stop there. It was actually 10 years later that Andy Dufresne and Shawshank Prison had the nicest library in the whole prison system. And he goes, Chris, I sent you a letter a week. It was on Instagram. It was on email. It was on text. But I built this relationship using these tools in a genuine way. Not once did I go in for the ask and here we are today. I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to go. I just got a call from the CMO of a fortune 50 company 
And she reached out to me on LinkedIn, wanted to hire me as her digital and social person. I was kind of obnoxious in my reply. I was like, you can hire me dot, dot, dot as your agency partner. I was like, I'm just going to get her cell phone and I'm going to start this Shawshanking thing. And I got her cell phone. I talked to her <laughs> and, and I said, listen, let me just help you not hire someone that's full of it. Like I'll come down there and I'll give you some of the people in my network that are awesome to talk to. I'll help you with the job description. I don't need anything in return. Let me just help you. And I did that. And it was just so genuine and fun. And um, it was it was herself uh, and her head of marketing. And fast forward, like 12 months later, we became we ended up becoming really good friends. They would call me in to do these learning sessions and whatever. Never, no money was ever exchanged. But I also never went in for an ask. And it was 14 months later, we got our first project from this Fortune 50 company for my agency. And my CEO was like, oh my gosh, Chris, this Shawshanking thing actually worked. I can't believe you saw that all the way through. And if you fast forward today, uh, Connie, we have 110 employees on that one account. And it's now burgeoned into this, this uh, actually its own agency. And, and I, I don't think that we approach relationships in that same way, or nor do we utilize the tools that are available to us to deepen that relationship. I interviewed a woman, you may know of her, pretty famous entrepreneur, Alexandra Wilkes Wilson, for the book, because she, she built Guilt Group, for, sold it for billions of dollars. And she's a lot of times behind a lot of these female entrepreneurs. She's an advisor. So cool. Bumble, um, Mirror to Lululemon. Anyway, so our first interview on Zoom in the middle of the pandemic was super awkward. I'm like, okay, this is like, I don't feel a connection, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it was nine months later that I introduced her to other people in my network on a Zoom call. And I was like, guys, just so you know, like Alexandra, you know, she, uh, my last interaction was kind of, so just don't expect her to be like this. And, you know, in those nine months, I'd been going back and forth with her on Instagram message. Like, oh my God, like that place you went in Key West is so awesome. Like I went to this one spot, blah, blah, blah. And she showed up and it was like, we were best friends. And my friends that were on the Zoom, they're like texting me. They're like, Chris, what are you talking about? She, she rocks. Like, this is, this is amazing. And she's, she's so willing to open up her network to us. Like what a cool relationship. And so I like that for bringing to life this yeah. verb of, using Shawshanking to create that kind of genuine connection and then yeah, turning I, into something bigger. I love that phraseology. You made me crack up, right? Because of course, everybody, I, I think most people have seen that movie. If you haven't, you really should watch that movie. It's, it's like, it's iconic, right? It's one of the big ones. But I'm laughing because the Shawshank, I, I wish I had thought of that one. Yeah. I call it CPR follow-up, consistent, persistent, respectful follow-up, same exact concept. It doesn't mm -hmm. happen overnight, right? We have to touch our clients or prospects multiple times in multiple ways, add value constantly, all of those pieces of the puzzle. So that what, by the time that you're ready to ask, right, that they're, they're, you don't even have to ask because usually you'll say something like, Hey, I'm creating a membership library. Oh, I'm publishing a book. Oh, you're publishing a book. You got to come on my podcast, man. Exactly. But I got to promote this. They're offering because you've, you've proven that you're just the real deal and, and you're not a store. And the other thing I was going to say about the Shawshank, this is my CPR follow-up, right? It's really stalking. We're talking about stalking. Yes. <laughs> that would be bad. I, yes. I have a question. I have a question. Sure. Um, you talked before you use the phraseology network currency. Mm -hmm. How do people identify their network currency and 
use it to do the Shawshank, you know, the CPR yeah. follow-up? How do, how do we, how can we leverage that? So when I talk about currencies, everyone has a currency. Your currency is what you get paid to do. And if you put it into my own story arc, I mean, why my currency became, I was the digital and social guy. That's why CMOs of fortune 50 companies would reach out to me. And then, and, and that's what, where I would provide that value, but your currency is that thing that you get paid to do. And I don't limit my, one of the things that I implore in the book is that it's so important as individuals that we, at the same time of understand where our currency is, we also build these passions on the side and and so, you know, for me, if you look at my kind of story arc, I was the digital and social person. And then my passion was, you know, really focusing in on my younger, um, you know, workers. And, and I wrote a book on it and then that started to take off. And it was about nine months later that if you Google my name, even today, you'd be like, oh, that's that culture guy, right? My currency then became really, you know, generation, how to motivate younger employees, what's important sure. and how to build successful cultures. And so I'm, you're always building those things on the side and, you know, the exercise, so many leaders will come to me and say, Chris, I hate to tell you this, um, but don't, I don't think anyone's listening, but like, I'm not passionate about anything in my business. Like my currency is to, to do, you know, orders and operations on the CEO or whatever. So how do I find my passions? And I take them through what I call my Google me exercise. Okay. That's, that's okay. And uh, so there's always room for improvement, but if people, if you are a search engine, what are all those things people are going to you for advice around? So for me, right. Uh, it's kiteboarding is a huge thing, exotic locations and cool hotels in the Caribbean, being the father of young girls, how to scale a, a, a movement out of a book and, and create impact through that. I have all of these things that I can use within that networking currency. It's not my currency is what I am being paid to do. But as I create these relationships, I'm using those to find that race to the middle, right? And in that race... Anytime you meet with someone, it's how fast can you find that common passion point and let down that guard to then be like, oh, wow, like we actually have something in common. And I, I mean, I even would will tell people I start I'll watch Sports Center in the morning because sometimes I need that to break down that barrier, even though I hate sports. And I'll be like, oh, my gosh, the, the Red Sox last night. How about in the ninth inning? Like. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, I love the Red Sox. It's like, yeah, I know that. I heard that. Like, like what an what a epic play they had. And then that lets down their guard. And the same is true in my speech. I use an example of how I was out, I was out at Nike. And it was my first big speech at Nike campus. And, you know, this was 2019, right before the pandemic. It was the middle of winter in Oregon. And it was sleeting. It was 4.30 in the morning. I called my Uber. And I raced to the Uber with my coworker and I slammed the door behind me and I'm like, burn. And the Uber driver turns back and he goes, you do not treat my car like that. This is a brand new Camry. He just goes on this tirade. And my coworker whispers in my ears, like, this is going to be a long 40 minute drive to Nike. And all I said to him, I go, watch this. And I looked in the Uber's rear view mirror and I saw a Trinidad and Tobago flag hanging from it and and i listened and i heard seal drum music and I, I chime in immediately and i said excuse me sir is that trinidadian steel drum music and he totally shifted his energy he goes wait how do you know about trinidadian steel drum music i go dude 
I had been dying to get down to Trinidad and Tobago. There's this one kiteboarding beach right near the airport. He goes, oh, blah, 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 right? And we ended up talking for the next 40 minutes. By the time we arrived at Nike, he had invited me and my family to go visit his family in Trinidad and Tobago. And, and I love that as the example of like, we're just trying to find that middle ground. And Absolutely. when we, when we know, regardless of what our currency is, that thing that we get paid to do, we use these other things to then find it. Um, and so- that Great. to me is where it all happens, right? That's, that's where the magic happens. That's and, and and you said it before. That's the fun part. It's not only yeah. magical, it's fun. I remember as you were saying that I uh, years ago, so this is about 30 years ago, um, I was referred to an accountant and for I, I was in investment sales. So accountants, uh, attorneys, they, they were just good lead sources, right? So I was referred to this person, somebody in my network, and I was going to her office. And so female also walk in, maybe a little bit older than me, so peer. I walk in, my kids play hockey, right? My husband's Canadian. So we, you know, we're, we're on the ice all the time, right? Or they were on the ice all the time. So I walk in and she has this awesome, cool picture of um, where the, where the Rangers played. So it was a Rangers, the, you know, the red and blue and everything. So I walk, swear to God, walk in. She says, Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. We shake hands. And I look over and I said, that's a great painting, but I got to go now. She goes, what? I said, Ranger, sorry, devils. This just, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. Burst out laughing. She's like, oh my God, we have tickets to the devil. How old are your kids? My kids were babies at the time. She goes, we got to take the boys. She wasn't married and didn't have children. I would love that. And well, by the end of our conversation, she said to me, neither one of us golfed. And all of her peers in the firm golfed, right? So she's, I said, you know, do you, I go, I know everybody golfs. I don't really golf. Is there something else that we can do, you know, maybe that you would like? She goes, you know what I love? I love great adventure. And they have, they used to have a safari. I don't know that it's yeah, open yeah, anymore yeah. here, right in Jersey. She goes, we got to bring the kids. What she goes, and then we'll go to the diner after. What do you think? Can we do that? I'm like, I love it. Done and done. I love it. We became best friends. So I love it. See that, but and I didn't try. Like people go, oh well, you know, she had a picture out there. I go, it was me being my goofball self versus oh, this is an accountant and I'm a professional financial advisor, right? It was about devils, rangers. Sorry, can't be friends with you. It's Mm. as simple as those little moments that you connect deeply, even though we didn't like the same team, we both loved hockey, right? Bam, magic starts happening. It's simple, but yet we make it so complicated, Chris. It is in that same way, right? Like I think you know you you found that race to the middle and then you created an experience that then created a bond. I, I interviewed a guy um, who built a multi, multi, I think almost billion dollar company out of flooring. His name is Randy Smith from Heritage Flooring out of South Florida. And uh, I was like, dude, if this guy can create a massive industry again around a commodity, like he's doing something right as it revolves to kind of networking and sales. Yeah. And so when we're connected, and we've now since become best friends, like since that time, I'm helping him with his book that he was inspired to now do after reading mine. And, uh, you know, and it's, but he, he goes, Chris, one of the things that I learned in, in, in sales is that I, I am the best sales guy in the business, but it's genuine. And one of the things I learned is that when you take down that personal threshold and someone, a prospect or a customer walks into your house, or you walk into theirs, they will give you a first chance, a second chance, a third chance, and a 97th chance as soon as that is done. So I was like, Randy, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start 
doing all of my business meetings at my house and I'm going to cater it in and I'm going to take down that personal threshold. What an awesome thing. And it drives my wife, my introverted wife crazy because I have people coming in and out all the time. And, but it is such a profound thing that I never thought about. Right. Like I, I think the same thing, get out of the office, right? Like go do, do that thing. And obviously, I mean, I'm an extreme example of it, but you know, I, yes, I thought it was such a great tactic. I am a freak. I am a freak, <laughs> but I thought it was such a good tactic. And, you know, one of the pieces that regardless of who we are, right, regardless of where we stand on, I call it the ask continuum. And on the far left, let's just say on the far left, asks come really easy to us. It's what's made us successful in our role, in our role, because we can just crank going for the asks, etc. And then you've got I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I am so hesitant for the ask. I'll do 30 gives before I go in for the ask, which makes me better suited for longer term sales cycles, et cetera. But I'll oftentimes let the ask pass me by. And regardless of where we are in that ask continuum, if we're if asks come really easy to us, we're most likely an ask hole. We'll go in and go in and go in. And it's our job to move closer to that middle place. But my favorite tactic for those people that let the ask pass them by is a tactic that I started practicing as I was interviewing the world's most like influential leaders, influential leaders, billionaires, like the founder, great people that I never thought I'd get access to. And it was actually in one of my first Zoom meetings. It was a guy named Jason Trotwine who um, had a massive um, success in um, the pet industry, selling his pet veterinary clinics. He had hundreds of them. And uh, I said, okay, Jason, we had an awesome connection. Like, you know, he had like, he was in his house in Hawaii. He was hanging out. And uh, I said, all right, Jason, I'm going to practice my new favorite tactic. Let's see if it works. And it's called masking my asking my dream. Are you ready? He goes, bring it on. I go, all right, is my dream, Jason. It is my dream to create the handbook, whether you just graduated from college or you're a salesperson in their forties that just feels stuck and uninspired. I want to create the handbook to make you a better salesperson and networker, but also to make it a lot more fulfilling and genuine. Who in your network do I have to talk to? He goes, oh my gosh. And he just lights up. He goes, do you know the pro surfer Raymana? I was like, yeah, I think so. Like I know surfing, but I was like, tell me more. He goes, okay, well, Raymana is the greatest connector of any billionaire or movie star on the planet. And his currency is surfing. He teaches people how to surf. And it was six minutes into our relationship that he was towing me in on a jet ski into a crazy wave that he put his hand on my heart. He looked into my eyes. He said, I love you, brother. And he pushed me off of the back of his jet ski into this wave. And nine years later, we have a bond that is forged for life. You've got to talk to this dude. And I was like, oh my gosh, for sure. Introduce me. And it was 24 hours later in the middle of the pandemic, I saw on my caller ID, French Polynesia, which I've never had come up on my caller ID anymore. I'm like, oh my God, it's <laughs> Raymana. And he's like, brother man, what's up? Jason told me to call you. I'm like, let's hop on a FaceTime because I'm stuck in quarantine in Atlanta. I just want to like, I, I like live vicariously because I, you're in Tahiti. He goes, like, of course. So we hop on the FaceTime. I go, all right, before we get going, Raymana. I need to live vicariously through you. Tell me about your day. Like, where have you been? Like, I'm stuck in this house. We're not allowed to leave. And he goes, um, oh, of course, man. I just got off Sergey Brin's yacht. I was teaching his wife how to surf uh, uh, Chopu, this great break. Wonderful lady. I was like, Raymana, you truly are like the greatest 
connect our billionaires, not because you're, you're famous, but because you have this currency that is so nuanced around, uh, around surfing. I go, so my, my, my second question for you is Jason talks about this bond you guys have. And he said it was six minutes into your relationship that you put your hand on his heart. You looked into his eyes. You said, I love you, brother. And, and tell me about that. And he goes, ah, yes. Now don't tell Jason this. But I tell that to everyone when they're in the back of my jet ski. I mean, two <laughs> things by it. I mean, take in this moment, forget about your big job or whatever, take in this moment. And the second thing is, this is a gnarly wave and you might die. So I want the last thing you to hear is I love you, brother. I'm like, dude, Ramana, that is the greatest thing I've ever heard. And I love that as an example, right, of, of what does genuine connection really look like? And then yeah. also, how can even the most nuanced of passions potentially become our own currencies in the future by curating these things on the side. I love it. We're out of time. And and that was a great story. It tells everybody, but at that moment, right. He felt Jason felt so special. You know, it's all about communicating for me. That's why I have my communication style assessment, right? This is the, at the core, it's just about connecting energetically um, you know, finding that common ground because Chris, at the end of the day, we're all the same. We all bleed the totally. same. We put our pants on the same, right? Yeah. It's it. We, we can't, we, instead of looking at, well, you're different than me because how about what are we the same at? Because, right. Mm. That's, that's really what we're talking about. So guys, I think you need more Chris in your life. I think you have to buy his books. Yeah. Um, if you go to his website, all the books are on the website, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. They're all there. Yeah. I'll say go to Chris. Tough, T-U-F-F dot me, not dot com dot me. And you'll find all his goodies there. If you have a question for him, uh, please email him directly at Chris at Chris Tough dot me. Um, again, Chris, thank you so much. I yeah. hope that everybody buys the book because it's everybody makes sales so much harder than it has to be more uncomfortable than it has to be. It's just about making friends really, really at the core. It's just loving people and sharing experiences and seeing if I can help you. Yes or no. And if I can't, who can I introduce you to? That's networking. I I think that's mastering the networking, right? It's just about bringing all the peeps together and just sharing the wealth. Tides rise together. The ship should rise together. We shouldn't be um, hurting anyone, right? Or holding someone back because there's not enough business for me. So that's another whole conversation, right? The abundance mentality, another whole conversation (laughs) that you and I could go on. So thank you so much. Everyone, again, Chris at uh, ChrisTuff.me or go to ChrisTuff.me. Uh, ChrisTuff.me for uh, the website. I will post it in the show notes so you don't have to go crazy looking for it. Um, and I'll backlink it so you can find Chris easy peasy. Um, thank you again for being on, Chris. You're, you're really delightful. Awesome. Yeah, you're fun. You're fun. So yeah, yeah. Happy, happy to meet you as well. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, more to come. And go you Shawshank. Guys, go Shawshank. Thank him, Ethan. Now I, my CPR seems like CPR. How boring. We're going to Shawshank this bad boy, right? Yes. I, love it. I love it. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together. No matter where you are in your business, your career, sales, clients, prospects, doesn't matter. I hope between my guests and I that we share just some tips, ideas, strategies, maybe even just a new perspective like the Shawshank right process that we talked about today 
what is it that you can take from our conversation and apply it immediately? I know I'm a broken record. Information is a beautiful thing, but if you do nothing with it, simply information. What did you learn today from Chris or from me that you can apply immediately and start to create some magic in your life and results, right? It's all about creating the results. So thank you, Chris. Thank you all for joining me on Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.net. Again, I'm your host, Connie Whitman. Truly honored to have you on this journey with me. And I'm excited to see you next week as we explore another topic. Have a great one, everybody. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow. Follow.